0: Welcome to the Dakota Rustler Show. We're going to do a podcast version today. And today's episode will be what I call a Reason Magazine episode. I subscribe to Reason Magazine. I get it on my Kindle, so I won't be able to pop it up on a screen. So, as a result, I decided just to do a podcast instead of a video. So, let's get right to it. I just want to state that most of the things we'll be covering today is from Reason Magazine so I want to make sure they get the credit so they can't say I'm you know stealing information from them okay and the first story I want to cover today comes from New Hampshire where New Hampshire towns are turning down tiny home dwellers and the first story I want to cover today is a story about Brianna O'Brien In 2018, O'Brien purchased a $29,000 prefabricated tiny house that she eventually plopped down on her parents' property in the town of Hampton Falls in New Hampshire. Within a few months, planning officials were telling O'Brien that her house, single exit, lack of plumbing, and proximity to the property line made it impermissible under the local zoning code. O'Brien also lacked the occupancy permit that is required for full-time residents. On the other side of the state, there had been a little village called Walden Echo Village. It was there for 12 years, there were 25 residents, and it was a little tiny house community. And for 12 years, they lived in peace both with nature and the local zoning officials. Now remember that, for 12 years these people gave them no problems. However, last December 25th, the village owner applied for permits to add more tiny houses to his village. Well, that alerted the present planning officials to the fact that its cottages were not permitted as full-time residents, even though they've been there for 12 years. Uh, a site visit by the officials discovered a lot of building code violations Um, former Walden tenants are now suing the village's owners claiming that he violated their leases by renting out homes that were not up to codes now who rents these tiny village type people you know these tiny village homes they're generally people without a lot of money they're looking to live as cheap as possible you know they don't need or want all the amenities that come with a regular house they're looking for low property taxes you know they just want to live as cheap as they can the way the pioneers did back in the old days you know how many of us have ever dreamed of cabin living or off-grid living you know that's perfectly fine to do if you're out in the country where there are no building codes in many states However, you can't do it in a town. Too many people don't like the idea. Too many people, you know, it just doesn't sit well. They believe it affects their property values. And it's kind of ridiculous. You know, everybody should be allowed to live pretty much where they want to, the way they want to. You know, if you don't want running water in your house, hey, why should the government say you have to have it? And one thing to remember is tiny homes, as I said, they're an attractive, affordable option for many residents. Now, I don't know how many of you have been to New Hampshire. I've been there several times in my life. Their motto is live free or die. Well, they're not getting to live free. You know, the government's mandating all sorts of things that these people don't want. So living free is not an option for them, despite the fact that the state pampers that on billboards and all sorts of ads and tourist advertisements live free or die well it's not happening in New Hampshire and I've talked with people when I was in New Hampshire and they say that motto is a joke a big time joke so that's one thing where government gets in the way. Uh, first I wanted to stay away from COVID-19 I've done a lot of that on my Facebook page but let's go over some of that federal predictions that 20 million Americans would be vaccinated by the end of 2020 simply didn't happen Uh, by the end of 2020 there were only 2 million 11 days into 2021 there were only 9 million that were vaccinated however it is Many more people are being vaccinated today. Pfizer is not having issues with production. Um, No shipments of the vaccine are on hold or being delayed. They successfully shipped 2.9 million doses back in December. And of course, this is now February, so they're shipping a lot more. but let's get to something that did happen um, New York's Democratic governor or Andrew Cuomo threatened providers with huge fines and losses of their licenses if they bypassed government criteria for prioritizing vaccine recipients because sometimes the vaccines sit around and it can't get to the people they were intended for and they're basically told to let them go to waste instead of vaccinating people who aren't a priority. Inevitably, providers dump doses as a result rather than facing penalties for letting people jump the list. Well, Cuomo then presented an idea with a double bad situation. If you fail to use all of your vaccines, you could be fined up to 100,000 and if you vaccine people out of order you could be fined up to a million so where does this leave you know vaccination places what what kind of a situation does that put them in it's in a catch-22 we can't vaccine people yet If we do that do it out of order we get an even bigger fine in Florida state and county online reservation systems crashed it couldn't handle the number of people calling in you know again this is government-led you know vaccination it's failing everywhere it's not being done properly the whole system a joke I mean it's it's crazy and of course there's red tape as always going back to New York one New York facility attempting to comply with vaccine vaccine requirements As reported by the USA Today, it took 52 clicks on each person's digital medical record before the patient was ready to receive a shot. Wow, I mean, the additional burden of the system process, paperwork policy, CDC, and budget is overwhelming. Remember, we're trying to get 100 million vaccines into 100 million people, and we've got all this red tape we have to go through. Again, government, it's its It's failing us. Let's get to the COVID relief plan that Biden wants to kick in. $1.9 trillion. I mean, that's a lot of money, people. $1,400 checks he wants to send out to individuals, more aid to small businesses, families, schools, bailouts for state and local governments, an increase to the federal minimum wage, just a small business was trying to dig out from a recession Uh, at the time Reason Magazine printed the latest edition, the fight over the exact details of the package were coming to a close I don't know if they've still been worked out or not although it's apt to be popular because people will take free money at any time it's not necessarily it's not necessary, and it's certainly not beneficial. You uh, know, remember we've already spent three, two point three trillion the first time around, nine hundred billion the next time around. You know, people got checks of twelve hundred dollars, six hundred dollars. We've got three hundred dollar bonus on top of an extension for federal unemployment benefits. There was a second round of bailouts for airlines, Amtrak. And it really gets sad. There's money in it for the John F. Kennedy Center for the Performing Arts. Seriously. Uh, the bill contained a creation of two identity museums. Whatever the heck that is. And many other items totally unrelated to the pandemic. You know, this is, it's just ridiculous. And we got senators such as Josh Hawley and Bernie Sanders who want to spend even more. Everyone, you know, in total Congress has spent about $4.5 on COVID-19 relief so far. $3.4 of that was not covered by existing revenue. That's additional spending by our government this year, which is adding more and more to our debt, which I covered in a previous video. Spending for COVID is going to equal 26 percent of our GDP. Now you need to remember, this is huge because the entire healthcare system, every year, equals only about 16 percent of GDP. You know, we can't spend like this. We're destroying our country. The scale of current relief effort means that many Americans receive more income during this pandemic than they did before it. According to the Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis, total US wage and salary disbursement was roughly thirty seven billion lower in November of twenty twenty than it was in February of twenty twenty. The cumulative March to November wage and salary loss amounted to $333 billion remember we've spent trillions of dollars even though the wage and salary loss only amounted to $333 billion we're spending 10 times what was actually lost you know government has never seen a bill that they don't like to pass you know when it comes to spending The analysis of the unemployment insurance extension enhanced by a $600 bonus that passed in March 2020 found that two-thirds of recipients made more by not working. I mean, unemployment is supposed to be a percentage of what you originally were making while you were working. Well, it's a percentage, all right. It's a percentage that's way over 100%. Under the Biden proposal, new data shows 62% of unemployed workers receiving the benefit would make more than they did when they had jobs. Well, the Moocher Society we have today, as I like to call it, the Moocher Society, Mooching Off Others, M-O-O, you know, they aren't going to work when they can make more money sitting at home playing video games and doing anything but working. Sending checks to people while paying them not to work might seem to be a winning issue during election season, but it will create serious distortions and perverse expectations that will be hard to correct. It's also economically destructive. Increased government borrowing to finance debt obligations does not just crowd out other federal spending. It also competes for funds in the nation's capital markets, which crowds out private investment. There is no justification for spending hundreds of billions of dollars in checks for working families simply because if you're still working you really don't need extra checks or at least you shouldn't need extra checks. There's no justification for bailing out fiscally irresponsible states. California actually had larger revenues in 2020 during COVID than it did in 2019 so why should we bail them out there's no justification for bailing out airline shareholders you know if you're a shareholder of an airline and you didn't see this coming you're not too good at investing you know if you saw this coming you would have sold your shares and avoided any losses which they were getting we're also bailing out companies like Amtrak well look at Amtrak and their history they never make money we bail them out every every year it's it's pathetic and then you have the government argument that whenever government spends money it'll bring even more money you know you hear one dollar you know will bring a dollar sixty six to a certain area you know or a dollar spent by government will bring in more jobs more businesses and it'll be a two dollar you know gain to the economy well guess what when a nonpartisan Congressional Budget Office looked at the return on the March 2020 Coronavirus Aid, Relief and Economic Security Act, better known as CARES, it found that the economy only grew by 66 cents for each dollar spent. This dismal performance should not surprise anyone. It's impossible to stimulate demand when so much of the economy is closed and people are social distancing. I mean, that's it in a nutshell. It describes government day in and day out. You know, whatever government does, they do not do it well. So I guess that's my rant on COVID this time around. You know, I'll keep on it. It's still the only thing you hear in the news. Government just screws it up. Everything changes. You know, one mask, two masks, no mask. Get a shot. Get a second shot. Don't get the second shot. It'll be good enough. We need to get more people with their first shot. They can't make up their mind on anything. So, as I said, that's enough for my rant on COVID. Uh, Let's talk another issue. Mark Scheffler. Many people probably have never heard the name of Mark Scheffler. However, What he is known for is something called the FOIA, the Freedom of Information Act. Without him, it never would have started. So why do I bring him up? Well, recently he died at the age of 98 while living in the state of Vermont. Uh, He threw 36 combat missions on a bomber crew in World War II. He started a fund to provide tuition assistance for minority children in DC area private schools and as I said he's best known for helping draft the Freedom of Information Act how did this all get started well back in the early 1960s Scheffler was working as a maritime lawyer on behalf of a shipping company had been denied tariff documentation by the Federal Maritime Commission. Scheffler asked for a copy of the legal opinion justifying the decision and was told it was confidential. Well he couldn't believe that the government's interpretation of the law his client was expected to follow was secret, but he soon learned that wasn't the only one he wasn't the only one getting stonewalled when he brought his problem to the American Bar Association he learned that two other members of the body were already working with Representative John Moss to draft a transparency bill Uh, Moss's, John Moss's interest, he was a Democrat from California by the way, his interest in transparency started after he picked a fight with the Eisenhower administration over records on nearly 3,000 federal employees it had fired for having communist ties. Well, we all know how that communism thing was back in the 50s, if we read our history. He had been needling successive administrations over their unique secrecy for nearly a decade when Scheffler walked into his office with a draft of a legislation that would become the Freedom of Information Act. It was an uphill battle though. At first 27 federal agencies testified on a proposed legislation, all of them in opposition. So there we go again, you know, government agencies trying to hide things. You know, it's just the history of it. The Justice Department argued that the bill was unconstitutional, what else is known because it would violate the separation of powers. Gee, you try to get information and all of a sudden it's unconstitutional. It sounds a little bit like uh, Miss Governor Noem here who is trying to hide the cost of travel while she was trying to stump for Trump during the election cycle. We don't reveal that information. We never have, never will. Well, guess what? It's our tax money, lady. We need that information. We should know where every dollar of our tax money goes in this state. Getting back to the original story though Moss, true to his word, required a critical mass of support acquired a massive support in the House for the FOIA and it eventually passed 307 to 0 Ironically, one of the people that voted to pass it was Donald Rumsfeld, who was a co-sponsor of the bill. Yet later, he had advised Gerald Ford to veto amendments, strengthening the FOIA. Well, how's that for a 180-degree turn? You support it one day, and then you advise a future president at the time to veto strengthening it. It would eventually pass under President Lyndon B. Johnson, although he opposed it personally. Uh, His own party basically said we need to sign it, you know, and he did, even though he was against it. So there you have a president who is against the Freedom of Information Act. Why do government officials always want to hide everything? Wow, could it be because they're a little bit crooked? (laughs) Well, what else is new, right? Eventually, the FOIA established a right to see government records unless those records qualify for one of nine exemptions. And the article here doesn't go into those exemptions, but we can assume that most of it should be, you know, related to national security. Eventually, all 50 states would pass their own versions of the law, and here we get back to know them again. Apparently, ours isn't nearly strong enough because... Noam and her cadre of republicans in the state senate try to keep hiding everything, you know, so again just wanted to give a shout out to Mr. Scheffler who was responsible for the Freedom of Information Act. He died at the age of 98 in the state of Vermont. Okay, in an effort to keep this thing under 30 minutes, I see I'm already at the 22 minute market. We're simply going to go to their last article, which is trivial information on the stupidity of governments. Most of these are self explanatory. I don't need to do it. You know, there's just nothing you can say to them. So here's the first one in Reason Magazine's little section they call Brickbats. Police in Brooklyn, New York, touted a raid they made in the, in December that seized 22 firearms, even posting a photo of themselves with their haul online. And here comes the funny part: the police department's own lab quickly figured out that 21 of the 22 guns were not real firearms but replicas, starter pistols, or air guns. But the district attorney is refusing to drop weapons charges against the owner of the fake guns, who leases the weapons to people shooting music videos. Uh, I mean, seriously, you know, fake guns, and we're not going to drop weapons charges. That's just ridiculous. In another story that comes from the United Kingdom, retired doctors and nurses have volunteered to help administer coronavirus vaccines, but Red Tape, of course, is getting it in the way. They have to produce 21 different documents, including not only proof of their professional license, but also certification that they have undergone training in equality diversity, human rights, prevention of radicalization, and data security. All they want to do is give people a vaccine and they have to go through equality training? Seriously? Uh, You can't make this stuff up. Okay, let's go to one more. Daniel and Norris Keating saw a barrel marked "flammable liquid" floating in the waterway behind their Clearwater, Florida home. They pulled it out and called a county official, or they called county officials, to see about transporting it to a hazard waste drop-off site. Well, you can guess what happened. Perhaps, instead, firefighters arrived and said that because it was now on their property. A couple would have to pay to have it disposed of. <laughs> I can only imagine how much that would have cost to dispose of flammable liquids. Well, a the, the local TV reporter got a hold of the story, spread it all over the news, and, and after they were embarrassed, the Florida Department of Environmental Protection finally agreed to retrieve the barrel, take it away, and dispose of it themselves without any charge to the Keatings. Like i said you can't make up some of this stupid stuff but okay i think i'm going to call it a day that puts me up to over 25 minutes and we'll see you next time on the dakota ridge rustler show or the dakota rustler show thank you for tuning in catch you next time